Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Danny Canal, Raja Bell, our guy Brady Quinn sitting with us today. Thanks for getting up early, man. Yeah, Appreciate no it. Uh, fun day in the NFL action. I think the NFL is back. Like, if it ever was going anywhere, like, cause it's been battered a lot. There's been a lot of stuff with the anthem and just right. stuff that people didn't like love or some people, you know, just divisive. I feel like now we've had these great, incredible finishes. The NFL is back. You had the rookies go 4-0. Mm-hmm. First time we've seen that, uh, in forever. Uh, although I think those, it's, it's crazy how winning can change the perception of you as a player, which is something I benefited from when I was in the Giants. But if you win games, yeah. you are viewed as a successful quarterback, right? Yeah. It's just, it's funny sure. how things work that way. Uh, so we want to get a little bit into that, but there was a ton of NFL action. Last night's game, we had the, the battle for Texas, right? Yeah. Cowboys. Against the Texans, goes to overtime. Not exactly a pretty game offensively to watch. Jason Garrett has the ball, driving, fourth and one, 43-yard line, has a chance to be the hero, put it on his team's back, like give it to, hey, offensive line, you guys go win us a game. Go ahead, give us a chance. Instead, he punts it down. Texans go the other way. We saw John Dre Hopkins with incredible play. They go on to win the game. Um we play the result a lot. No, no, we, no, 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 no. You're making no, no, no. the McVay effect. No, here's no, no, what no, no. we are. But here's what I'll say to that because I didn't. You know, I'm not standing up to see that. But <laughs> we, in situations like that, you have a you have an opportunity to to tell your team what we're going to be this year. Just philosophically speaking, this is who we are. And if you choose to punt, that's that's setting a really like passive, non-aggressive tone for your team. I, I'm, I don't want to play the result because I didn't see it. I don't know what all that led up to it. But in that situation, if you're supposed to be a ground and pound, Ezekiel Elliott's the best back in the league type of team, and you're, you've already, you, you're in their territory, I, I think that's a bad message to send to your team. You guys play poker? Yep. Okay. There's a phrase or a term called resulting. Okay. Yeah. And, and poker is one of the greatest games because you have to make so many decisions. Without much information, mm-hmm. right? So you do the best you can with the information that you have in order to try to have success, right? But one thing good poker players will tell you is you can't look at results and then look back and say, was that a good decision or not? Because that's not like in sport. That's not like in poker. It's not like in life where you can then all of a sudden make a decision when you have all the answers. That's what hindsight is, okay? So we can look back and say, right. well, it didn't look, work out for the Dallas Cowboys. But then you get tempted into looking at Sean McVay and the LA Rams. Mm-hmm. You get tempted at looking at, you know, Frank Reich where it didn't work out. And you look at those results and you say, well, you know, Frank Reich was being ag- aggressive even though it didn't work out. What's the difference? Well, they're playing at home. A little different in that case, right? Jason Garrett was on the road in this case. So I think that plays a factor into how you think as a coach. Also, when you look at how that game went, his defense did a good job. They only gave up one touchdown during the game. Like, for them to punt and for Houston then to get the ball at their own 10 and have to drive down the field in order to kick a field goal to win the game, you are probably betting on the odds that your defense is going to get stopped, you're going to have good field position, you're going to be the one to then take the football and drive down for a field goal to win it. So, you know, I can see the logic to that coming into the game. The Houston Texans defense was top 10 against the rush. So if you're saying, all right, fourth and one, you're in your own territory, like, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't make that play, game's over. Right. And, and Jason Garrett's at a point where I think he has to be a little more passive. You think, he so? makes See, I think they were in their own territory or they were in, in Dallas in territory in 43? I think it's the opposite. I think Jason Garrett needs to have some more cojones and go out there and start calling. No, he's changing the games. <laughs> right. and, and the probability would tell you that punting there, 
the majority of the time gives you a better chance. I'm on Brady's side now. All right, hold on. I thought we were hold in, on. I thought we were in Dallas territory on the 43 and we elected to gain the, the potential 23 yards with the punt. I didn't Just realize so we were. No, I'm not resulting, okay? Last week, Frank Reich, I was all on board. Even though it didn't work. Yeah, you were. They lost At home, didn't work. Yeah, you were. And right. they lost the Houston What does Texas. this say right here? What is, read that tweet. They can't see it when they're watching, but what does that say? Love this call from Hugh either way. Did you see them in overtime when Baker, they had a fourth down? Didn't work out. They did not get it, but they ended up getting the ball back and they ended up winning the game. <laughs> but that was before the result of the play. So I'm a, I'm a fan of being I, more aggressive because I think too many times coaches are too passive in fourth down situations. I, you want, look. As you want to send whole. a message. Like I, when you're dealing with any team and you're the coach, you, you, and if you're, if your philosophy is we're going to be a laid back, like play it safe, like always play by the numbers coach, then I'm not going to fault you for doing that. Like, and, and I don't want to play the result, but I, I won't. I'll say, okay, that's just, you know, that's the line. That is Jerry Jones and their job to figure out if that philosophically is what they want in their locker room. But like me as a player and just generally like most good coaches, I want to. I want to have some faith in you, right? Like I want to entrust. I that's I my motto. Like I want to be. Way, a, I want to be a player's coach, dude. Listen, we're gonna go get this. Like I believe in you guys, and that's just the way I want us to now feel about it. Side? No, like the decision. <laughs> like I, I, I just I didn't realize it was in the, on their own forty three. So, but generally speaking, I'm with sending a message culturally, whatever it is. And if his is to be like not the that aggressive type, the then, then that's what it is. I, I'm with you on that. I just think you're sending a message one way or another. If you don't punt, right, you're saying to your offense, all right, go get this. True. If you do punt, you're saying to your defense, I got you. We trust you to get us, give right. us an opportunity. The reason why I bring up Sean McVay is because he was the one that made the decision on the road, very similar to the circumstances, um, for Jason Garrett against the Seattle Seahawks and a little bit different circumstance because there was a measurement and he initially looked like he was going to punt and then Seattle decided to take a timeout, which some people question, but you have to understand the logic of that. The clock was going to keep running once the chains were back and set. So Pete Carroll kind of had to take a timeout and they had to use their last one, which didn't save Russell Wilson. It would have saved Russell Wilson then more time had they punted. But also the decision in that case, I think was more born out of the fact that, you know, they had some success in that game moving the football. And to me as a coach, if you want to chalk it up to, forget about statistics, right? Forget about the whole resulting theory and all that. If you want to say gut instinct and look, I don't think our defense is going to be able to stop Russell Wilson at home the way they played today, right? They gave up over 30 points. Like, that's fine. I get that. But you can't sit there and say like, oh, we're going to be aggressive. This is how we're always going to be because we don't see a lot of older coaches make that decision. It seems to be like first time, first year head coaches. Sean McVay, first time head coach, not first year, but first time. Mm-hmm. We, we see the same thing with Frank Reich. And then we don't see a veteran guy who's been around for a while in Jason Garrett. Cause I think he knows that's sometimes what can lose you a game and lose you your job. And it might cost him though. That's the thing that's kind of crazy in all of this. Cause I think there is going to be a lot of uh, drama in Dallas this week, especially considering the way the game played out. And it's just, I mean, it's a year where you need Jason Garrett to kind of take this team to the next level. The the play by Dak Prescott to elude J.J. Watt and then the throw on the, from the sideline to Tavon Austin, that was one of those plays that gave me the sense like, oh, okay, like like maybe Dallas is looking at him now and saying, maybe he is our, our long-term guy. When you start to be able to make some of those sorts of plays to keep you in games, I know they didn't win, but like those sorts of plays start to kind of trigger people thinking like he does have the goods and he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Yep, no doubt. All right, so drama in Dallas. You know where else those drama in New York with the Giants? Odell Beckham's out there talking before the game, out there just dropping bombs on everybody, questioning Eli, questioning the play calling. Pat Shermer <laughs> after the game was having none of it. All right, listen, I'm going to answer all the drama questions right now, and I'm going to go back to what I said. All right? 
I addressed it with Odell. I addressed it with our team. I publicly declared that I didn't agree with his comments. And I asked anybody that was interested, if they wanted clarification, go to Odell because he's a big man. Now, I'm not going to give the public a pound of flesh on this, right? That would make me small, not strong. And these are the kind of things, in my opinion, when you have the locker room that we have, that will help galvanize them because the locker room took care of it. And that's all I'm saying on it. Finito. Done. <laughs> all right, so he said he's not going to give you a pound of flesh, but knowing the New York media, that is giving that's them a, a pound that's of flesh, flesh by directing. But they did ask him. So he sat down with Josina Anderson from ESPN. He had Little Wayne, for some reason, inexplicably, sitting next to him during the interview. You would if you could, too. <laughs> Little Wayne would be right, right now. That, that is a very good point. Uh, she asked him about Eli specifically because the basic gist of the thing was like, what's the problem? Are you, do you feel like you're being held back? And he was like, yeah, I'm not getting the ball enough. Uh, and then he, on Eli specifically, uh, he said, it, when she said, is Eli the problem? He said, I don't know. He didn't say no. And then he kind of gave this kind of non-answer where he kind of talked his way around it. But he's been giving all these quotes to the, to the market, the media, the media market up there. This is what you got when you, paid Odell Beckham and the Giants knew that and it's sort of you get this incredibly talented receiver and it's going to come with this he's the diva wide receiver so now you've got to go deal with it and that's what Pat Shermer's trying to do is Eli Manning the problem he's part of the problem I okay like here's the deal is I think their offensive line they thought they addressed it in the offseason so they thought it would be better and it hasn't they're not running the football better they still have to utilize a short passing game because they can't hold on to the football. And they've got one less playmaker to get open in Evan Ingram, so that hurts them too, I think, in getting the football out you know, earlier and utilizing some of those matchups. So like, the bottom line is he is definitely part of the problem. I think he is a part of that group of pocket passers who don't have much mobility or athletic ability that is starting to cycle out of the league. And if you are a pocket passer and you don't have the ability to do something with your feet, you better be elite from the pocket. Eli Manning just has not been that through the course of his career in the regular season. Postseason, when he's gotten there, he's been either one or done, or he's been phenomenal, and he's won Super Bowls. But it hasn't been that in his career in the regular season, and I think that's part of what we're seeing right now. And people are going to make a big deal about like what, what's his longest pass, 40 yards this year, mm-hmm. and then Odo Beckham throws a pass for 57, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like well, Odell even <laughs> specifically complained. He said, I'm tired of watching guys around the league getting run routes down the field. Yeah. All I do is get underneath routes, and then I'm supposed to do all the work. He said, I'd like to be able to run some deep routes too. To Eli's you know, uh, point, I do think he's somewhat overrated because of the two Super Bowls, and yet – like, and I think well, it's if he doesn't have that, a Manning name, right? Well, that too, that too, that definitely helps him too. Um, the fact that he has two Super Bowls is awesome, is awesome. But even like in this stack in, in this game specifically, he was 22 of 36, 326, two touchdowns and also two interceptions. That's been the stat line of his career. Right. Like he's always been kind of a, um, you know, high turnover rate guy. He takes a lot of risks. When it works, it's awesome and you can get hot and your defense plays good. Yes, he can win you Super Bowls, but you mentioned pocket passers. He's not in the same category as Brady, Breeze, no. his brother, or any of these other guys who were able to really succeed at an incredibly high level over a long course of, of per- uh, a period of time because he needs that really good offensive line, and they don't have it. That's why he is part of the problem. Or, or, or wide receiver that can get open and separate like Odell. Right. I mean, we kind of saw what they were like last year without him. Granted, the offensive line was still bad, but 
Um, it, it hurts. And like, that's, that's the case for a lot of quarterbacks, right? Like, we're, we're making this just about Eli Manning. A lot of guys, if they don't for have sure. a line, don't have guys to throw to, you're going to be very average at best, right? Absolutely. So that's, I put of, Joe Flacco, Matt right. Ryan, like, there's a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, overrated, I think is, is, it's a harsh term, but I think the way people talk about Eli, they put him in this category that he really doesn't deserve to be in. Yeah. Well, he does need that. Two rings. Whether he's the problem or not, um, back to the original question about Odell Beckham Jr., like, and the interview, like I, today's player has this voice that we might not have had when we played, right? They've got the ability to get out there on their social media page and blast out all this information that they want their fans and their brand to represent. It's very rarely helpful to the team. Like it, you know, and like media members know that now. So Josina, like I don't know Josina and, and, you know, the network, but you know what you're doing when you sit him down and you feed him these questions, right? And players have to be a little bit more savvy. Like, I don't know what these leagues are doing in terms of, you know, the awareness meetings. When we, when we played, they had awareness meetings, right? Like it was financial responsibilities and domestic violence and all of these things that started to become issues in the league. They were going to bring professionals around, hip you to what's going on, help you navigate through this world. They need to start doing this more with 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 the um you know media interaction they had those as well but this is a whole new platform this social media um but here's, child this this millennial who now has this voice this is not helpful and so no, I want to I like but I whether he's you, right or wrong you don't need to be out there throwing your teammates under the but bus I it never helps you, I guarantee you he's been told stay away from this yeah and he just has never listened because he's like I'm gonna be Odell because I think Odell is more important. To him than the Giants are. Yeah. And that's a problem I see in sports today. Like guys are more worried about their brand, their star than, Hey, I need to sacrifice sometimes and just keep my mouth shut because it's the best thing for the team. Right. The other thing was before the contract negotiations, when he had rumor, heard rumors of maybe the LA Rams would trade for him. Remember hearing that? Yeah. What did he say in his comments too? He talked about he loves the sunshine, loves being in LA, kind of led to almost like Terrible wishing look. that maybe that would have worked out. Yeah. Especially when you watch them, how much fun it seems like they're having. They're, an undefeated team still winning ball games. Like that was kind of one of those deals where I, I was just, I just wonder if you would have gotten traded, if you would have been happier there as opposed to getting a new contract and being in New York for the next few years. Yeah, for sure. All right. We got to get do some more NFL. We're going to get more highlights too. And our guy Pete Prisco is going to join us. Him and Brady always throw it down. So I can't <laughs> wait to watch this. Let's bring in our guy Pete Prisco. He's going to join us, talk a little NFL. Pete, you got it. That's the war room he's in right now. I'm surprised how clean it is, man. You clean up pretty nice uh, there uh, at your spot. So let me ask you, because the Chiefs, Jaguars played yesterday. A lot of talk was the Jaguars' defense. They'd be able to hold the Chiefs' um, you know offense in check. But really, it was about your guy Blake Bortles, who struggled again in this big spot with four interceptions, a pick six, really put his team in a tough spot. What'd you make of Blake Bortles' struggles against the Chiefs? Hey, he did throw for over 400 yards. Oh, oh here we go. Those are, those are garbage <laughs> time on, yards. That, that's, that's vintage <laughs> Blake Bortles' garbage time stats. Oh, you, uh, look, the bottom line is he didn't play very well. I mean, he threw, it, that, that, you can't throw that interception on the, on the screen pass. It was a terrible play. And the one he threw doinking off the helmet was just as bad uh, when they're trying to get back in the game at the end of the half. So it wasn't a good game for him, but it wasn't a good game for the entire team. Where's the pass rush? This is a team that's supposed to be able to sack the quarterback and get after him with their four guys. And for much of that first half, they had no pressure. And I think for me, that's as disturbing as Blake Bortles playing a bad game. Bottom line is, if they play offense like that the rest of the way, they're not going anywhere, okay? Let's give a little credit, though, Pete, to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think their offensive line has been one of the unsung heroes of the season. 
and Patrick Mahomes didn't play his best game, but, but the defense did step up. I want to know what you felt or what you thought about the matchup of Jalen Ramsey and Tyreek Hill. So much anticipation and talk back and forth going into it, and I know you like to talk. Who do you think got the better of that matchup? Well, I mean, if you're going to be in a one-on-one situation, you're going to give up a completion now and then. So Hill got the big completion, but he didn't do a lot of damage against them. So, I, look, it was a tie. I don't think either one won the matchup. But oh, come on, Pete. Pick a winner, Pete. <laughs> You gotta Who pick a winner, buddy. I, I would, I, I would give it to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I thought, I they thought held, for the most part, besides Patrick one catch. Without a touchdown, he threw two picks. Yeah. If you went into the game saying that, you would have thought you won the game, right? I mean, yeah. But, I, th- I, I think Jalen Ramsey won the matchup. Yeah. I, I'll give Jalen Ramsey the edge then. I think, I think, I think he backed up his smack talk. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. The one big play I thought you said. Like catch. people were having a field day with that. I'm like, it's one big play. Defensive backs the greatest of all time. Give up big well, plays. And it was a perfectly thrown ball and it wasn't even that big of a play. The other time he got targeted, he could barely get off the line. I mean right. Jalen Ramsey literally jammed him to the point where he I don't know if he got more than ten yards downfield. So I I think I'd give the edge to Jalen Ramsey in that game. Pete, are you buying this Chiefs team as the best and then they're undefeated team in the AFC? Are they the best team in the AFC with this defense which is still struggling and yet they've got this offense which is so unstoppable at times. Well, they were held in check are they the best in the afc well uh, yeah probably right now but when they go to new england next week they might not be i mean <laughs> right now they have to be the best considered the best team in the afc uh, look, here's the thing about the nfl right now is anybody any good real and, and i mean that sincerely because the rams oh look at the rams they could score on anybody they were pushed to the limit in seattle by a bad seattle team i mean it, 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 they had to go for it on fourth down to lock the game up late in the game and, and then you look at the Chiefs. Look, the Chiefs' defense played well against Jacksonville, or was that a case of Bortles playing poorly? I don't still don't know how good they are on defense. So I, I, I ask this question every October, and, and we'll, it'll get played out as we move along. But right now, is anybody really that good? I think they are. Yeah. I, I, I think I think Rams are. <laughs> right. no, now Pete's going to contest they don't have the edge rushers because that's what he's complained about all year long. Guess what, Pete? It hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered. They're still winning football games, so maybe it will later on. It hasn't yet. I, I would ask Pete though, what do you think of Sean McVay's decision? Did you like it? Did you not like it? The fourth and one call that ultimately ended up winning the game. Well, in a game like that where you're going up and down the field, I don't mind that kind of call. If it was, you know, 16-10, 16-13, then maybe 16-16 you know, in overtime. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that was a different one. They were on the flip side of the field, where they were at the 42, right? And, and they should have gone for it. But you know, you got to play out the situations. It, it's like yesterday. What did you guys think? When Doug Peterson made it 20 to 12 and went for two in the fourth quarter. What the heck was that? Chasing points. That? I mean, yeah, no, I saw it and I remember there were questions on the broadcast too. I mean, look, chasing points that early. I think that's again, when it shows how green you are as, as a first time head coach, you're seeing that from a lot of them. You don't see an well, older Brady, veteran coach make that mistake. Came, the analytics crew came firing at me. They're like, They're, the nerds say you go for it. What's that? The nerds say you go chase those points. They, the look, nerds do say that. When I mean, you I'm live, saying. when you live in your parents' basement and that's all you do is look at that kind of stuff and you don't have to potentially lose your job, of course you're going to say go for it because there's no risk in your life. Like that's what you're <laughs> right, about. You're looking you guys, at, been around, you guys have been around the game your entire life. I've been covering this thing for 30 years. When you get to 20 to 12, you kick to make it a touchdown, a seven point game in that Correct. situation. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but the analytics guys came firing at me. You know what it is? When everybody plays Madden, they all go for two. That's what that yeah, is. <laughs> that is true. But when you ask your question about is anybody good, isn't 
what good teams do. Don't they win ugly, which is kind of what you saw from the Chiefs and, and definitely what you saw uh, from the Rams against Seattle. Like, that would be my contention. Like, hey, the record is what it is. You got these two undefeated. Two, I think they have separated themselves as the cream of the crop in the NFL. Oh, I, I'm, right now, yes, I agree with you. But I, I think a lot of things still got have to be played out. Like, the New England defense always gets fixed, right? In November, December, it always gets fixed. And Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, and now he has Josh Gordon. He's got Edelman back. And if you had to pick the team to win in the AFC right now, which team would you pick? I'm sticking with the Patriots. The AFC, <laughs> of I'm just I'm not right. It's it's tough to pick against them. Yeah, but but at this point, look, I think if if Kansas City's defense continues to make strides, I know we wanted to make it about Blake Bortles' bad performance. But I thought it was more about some of the pressure, too. I mean, D. Ford and Justin Houston are getting after it. Mm-hmm. It seems like, I mean, Chris Jones as well, he has some big splash plays. It seems like they're starting to kind of come around. And defense coordinator Bob Sutton is starting to kind of figure it out, too. As much as we give the Patriots credit for that, maybe we should give Andy Reid and his staff credit for that as well in Kansas City. Pete, don't you well, think Blake? Go ahead. He's done a great job. I think he's done a great job of scheming things up. But Brady, remember we talked about this last week. You know, you get to week four and people have seen a lot of those gimmicky stuff that he runs and, and it wasn't as prolific on offense. And, and so I wonder going forward how that translates. You know, you you say that, but I watched Travis Kelsey, I watched Travis Kelsey abuse the linebackers, the secondary for, for uh, Jacksonville. You know, I think some of the stuff are there. I think taking out Tyreek Hill of the game for the most part was, was a big factor. But I still think there's a lot there. I don't think this team is slowing down anytime soon. I think it was just a matter of going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. I know we had some fun right off the top of Blake, Blake Bortles, but I'm kind of, it's like quarterback purgatory because I don't, I think you know, you've seen the high side, which can be good, but you've all seen the bad side, the bad side. The problem is you don't get the consistency and you know that type of game is always in there with Blake Bortles. Pete will tell you though, Pete's, Pete's riding with them. Look, Pete thinks, Pete, Pete, Pete thinks what else he's your guy, man. Though? I would almost stop with Pete though, but what else are you going to do? You got draft like, one. But they did. I mean, that's their guy. That's the thing. They're still hoping they can develop him. No, no. Do you draft think, another one? <laughs> like, is there hope in Jacksonville that he could get more consistent and be the long term? Cause I knew he kind of bought another year. Like, is this, is, have you seen enough to say, all right, we're going to stick with Blake Bortles for the next five and not the next one or two? No, I think they got to play the season out to see that. Uh, I think the rest of the season will decide that. What was the game plan, by the way? Early in the game, throwing rifle shots down the field. I didn't get it. Uh, you could have run on them all day. It's, it, it, it's worked for everyone else, Pete. I mean, the, the secondary yeah, for Kansas City. Yeah, but DJ Yeldon averaged well. six starts per carry. It's like, it's like the Broncos the other night. They averaged like seven, almost seven I'm yards sorry. per carry. Is that, is that Pete the talking about running the football? Yes. <laughs> really? In this day and He's age where we see guys throw 40 yard games? These coaches get into these games with the Chiefs and they go, oh my God, we're not going to stop them, so we have to go get our points. And, and I'm a big believer in scoring, but at some point when they can't stop the run and they weren't stopping the run the last two weeks and the teams got away from it, it made no sense to me. All right, Pete, thanks for getting up early with us. We'll definitely have to keep an eye on that because it's going to be a story that Can't plays Roger out throughout ask the season. Any football questions? Come on. <laughs> no, I, I'm deferring this morning. I know, right? I coached I yesterday, <laughs> Pete. Come on, man. Give me a break. All right, All right. good stuff, Pete. Good thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. See ya. All right, we're going to take a break. we got to do some college football because Florida State-Miami uh, was there. And then the refs happened. Why are we talking about that game? Interesting. <laughs> well, because we have to. Because Rajah <laughs> wants to talk some smack. That's coming up next on Off the Bench. It is time for my absolute favorite part of the day. What did Danny do now? This is our Monday tradition where we run through all the crazy things Danny did on social media. 
from over the weekend. So we're going to start with what I think was the most questionable post. <laughs> I have no words. I'm just going to throw this picture up. <laughs> what? What's wrong with the post? Uh, Danny, explain yourself. <laughs> so I don't know. So Hannah, I'm a little disappointed in you because if you would have been paying attention to the show, you would have known we did a segment on the turnover robe yep. at Memphis. I was in Memphis calling the game there before the game, walking around. I was surprised there wasn't anybody around, so I don't technically don't know if they have a rule. Because like if I was a team, I would not let anybody put on that unless you had a turnover. Yeah. So I went and grabbed it, put it on, and then once you put it on, like you just feel like Ric Flair, so you gotta go with the pose. It was so a hard it pose. Still quite I a plus on the pose. Yeah, it looked pretty yeah. good. I like the pose. I give him A plus on the pose. I have no pose. comment. Yeah, yeah. Zero <laughs> comment on that. He's gonna withhold comment. Thank you. I also have no comment. All right, next week. This one was from Sunday. Danny tweeted out, quote, don't listen to the noise, well orchestrated marketing campaigns. Some Power Five conferences having slightly better years than others, but they all have essentially the same makeup. One or two champ caliber teams, four to six quality teams, two to four poor teams. Same as always. So, Danny, before you explain yourself here, let's huh. run through some of these reactions that you got for this one. First one says, hate this argument. Impossible to compare Pac-12 or ACC to the SEC, per normal. Next one. This one's good. Dude, you are the worst follow on Twitter. I don't think you're a bad guy, but anything you say makes my day worse. <laughs> Last one, that one says, your takes always sound like a whiny little brother. Same as always. Danny, Probably the floor some truth is in that. Probably some truth <laughs> in that. No, every year we get so caught up in the power of the conferences and, you know, you get uh, SEC has all these teams ranked in the top 25. And it's because they have all these teams in the preseason top 25. I think every single year, yes, the SEC might be slightly better than uh, Big Ten this year, but I don't think the gap is that ginormous where it's, oh, maybe we should have two teams from the SEC in the playoff. I think every conference has a couple good teams that separate themselves and they contend for the playoff, and then there's a middle-range tier of teams, and then there's bottom. I think they're all the same when you look at it. I think your case for all power fives is is probably accurate. Um, I do think when it comes down to some of the top teams, some of the top talented teams – like, if Georgia doesn't win the SEC, they're still a top four or five team, in my opinion, this year. And I think it's going to be tough to watch them potentially sitting out. And then a team like, you know, Washington, who, you know, is, is good. And, and they have a great chance of winning the Pac-12 this year. But they don't have the same type of speed and talent. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, if they were to play ten times... You know, Washington might beat them a few times. I don't know that they're going to beat them nine times out of ten. You know, ten times. I think Georgia would probably have the edge in that case. Um, but I still think, you know, Washington could show up a few times. I think that's probably the majority of the times the case with some of those top teams in the SEC versus maybe the Pac-12, maybe the Big 12, some of those teams. If you think Georgia is a top four or five team, what would their record be at the end of the year? Because I don't think we know enough about them, and I think there's a good chance they could be a one-loss twice. Team. Who, who, who else they lose I think, to? well, I think they could lose to Florida now. Florida looks better. I think they could use this. I, they could lose to, uh, LSU. That's LSU home, would be so more to me worrisome than Florida. I know right. Florida just won. Auburn still. I mean, they yeah. still have some tough schedule, so we'll find out about that one. All right. I saved the best for last year, guys. Uh, During the, the FSU Miami game, <laughs> Danny tweeted out these emojis, which actually, actually look just like <laughs> the U sign, by the way. <laughs> FSU must have been looking pretty good at this point, but the best yeah. part is that just an hour later, he tweets out, I'll never tweet out. I'll never tweet again mid-game. So some of the responses here. Anyone know the FSU Miami score? Yeah. <laughs> Next mm. one says 28-27 Miami won. Next one, Roger, you can sing this one. It says it's great to be Miami Hurricane. So lame. And the last one, how about just <laughs> never tweet? Period. I got a lot of those. I got a lot of how about just never tweet or leave off the last <laughs> two words in that sentence. That was brutal. That was tough. I came into that game, Florida State Miami, low expectations. 
Just try to keep it competitive. Don't get yeah. embarrassed. Then it was 27-20. I'm getting ready for my game in Memphis. I'm tweeting out stuff. I'm like, this is just talking mad smack. And then as it happens all the time, don't ever do it for, until the score is final. You, Never. You guys should be excited, though. You look better than you've looked recently. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> no, like, I mean, you guys did. I mean, I was, I was scratching my head for a while. I mean, I think Miami, Miami, like I looked at the, the standings that came out today, like they moved one spot and all these other teams are jumping up 10, 11 spots. Miami's this weird team where they're, they're better than Florida. I don't, I don't care what you say. Like they're better. They are. They have more talent. They're more explosive. They just are really inconsistent. And you saw that in the Florida State game. Like they laid a complete egg in the first half. And then when it was time to hit the switch, there they were, you know, but if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm not, I mean, I'm pissed I lost to Miami. It's a rivalry yeah, game, but you guys look, game. uh, yeah, that was really questionable. Yeah. <laughs> the lateral was really questionable call, but I, I mean, that would have probably put it away, but I'd also make the case that when Francois dropped back, his arm was not in a forward motion when they got that last fumble of the game. But, yeah, man, look, I've been here before, so I'm not going to come on and brag. That's what we do. Oh. Like, I'm not, what, what do you want me to do? You want me to come here and act like we just, we're world beaters? We'd be Florida say, State. I will say well done from the Canes uh, social media staff. Did you see the picture they tweeted out with no. their stupid backpack? And then they put a chain, the, the turnover chain on, on it. the backpack? It bag secured. So that was kind of that was, bro, that was so you guys have a backpack. We got eight grams of what pl- uh, like of, of, <laughs> right. of gold, it's like a hundred like, G's on it. Like, come on, bro, you guys got a backpack? Yeah, that's brutal. Uh, all right, let's take it to break because we got to come back, finish with some leftovers. Might even get some more college football talk squeezed in there too. Coming up next, and off the bench. All right, we squeezed in uh Miami FSU. We had to do that first just because of the ties in there. But there was some incredible performance out there. Notre Dame looked really good in Blacksburg. I think they've got a clear path to the playoff. They still have a couple tough tests. Why don't you all come down and see us? How'd that work out last time? No, I'm just saying, I'm throwing a lot of shade. How to work out two years ago. Yeah, exactly. How to work out two years ago. We're talking recent history. Bro. Oh, recent. right, right. The most right, recent. Yeah. All right. You guys yeah. just trying to worry about climbing those poles, okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. Texas OU was fascinating. The Red River Showdown lived up to the billing. Uh, Oklahoma was down 20, right? 20 points. They come storming back, tie the score up. Uh, fascinating finish. And you're like, uh, it felt to me like there was no way Texas was going to rebound from that. Like after this devastating, like letdown, then they come back, find a way to get the field goal and Dicker, the kicker comes back. The fresh, he, I loved his mindset. Yeah. Cause he was at, they showed him a bunch leading into it. And I was like, all right, two things. One of these guys, like either a goofball or he's totally relaxed in this situation. Who knows what the story is, but he drilled it right down the middle in a pressure spot as big as it gets. I think when your name's Dicker the Kicker, <laughs> usually you're pretty loose. So you've got, you've heard it all at some point in time in your life. Um, and I think the biggest takeaway from me just from, from watching Texas this year was, was Sam Ellinger. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I didn't think he could win a shootout with Oklahoma and with Kyler Murray, which is what this essentially was. And, and I really felt like he kind of, he kind of ran away with the performance as far as the better performance between these two quarterbacks. And I didn't think that was going to be the case at all. Uh, as good as Texas defense is and as Kyler Murray has been this year, I just thought Oklahoma was going to have the edge and that it was be Texas that couldn't keep up. But they jumped out to a lead. They held on. The quarterback run game was huge in this matchup in my mind, especially around the goal line. That's why you see the three touchdowns. Um, but this Texas team, look, it, it's, it's safe to say right now they are back because Oklahoma – is the top of the conference. When you can knock them off, 
in a neutral site like that at the Cotton Bowl, I think it's fair to say Texas is back. They've had an impressive season so far. I think so, too. I think one thing that Tom Herman brought to the table was a physical mindset, and yeah. I think he gets that with Sam Ellinger because he's a tough, physical kid. The way he runs the football, he's not afraid to put his head a down sophomore? and get those tough yards. Yeah. 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 yeah, sophomore, thick. And, yeah. yeah, he's a big boy. Like, I, the you know one what he thing reminds that, me of? Tebow. He does. He does. He's a, he's a right-handed version because he's not the best thrower, but yet he can get it done yeah. and he can make the plays with his legs. Uh, this game did not come without consequence for Oklahoma as they decided to fire their defensive coordinator, Mike Stoops, which has to be kind of awkward because Bob Stoops, what, you know, handed Lincoln Riley this job and trusted him handing it down to him. And now he fires his brother, but it's a bottom line business. And if you look at the offensive numbers, that Lincoln Riley is putting up, you shouldn't have to go up there and not win games when you're getting 45 points. The the, war, uh, the playoffs last year when they played Georgia couldn't get off the field, so they're making the switch. You got well, and, and the tough thing is every single game this season, with the exception of Army, they've given up more total yards per game, and then in the Army game they give up 339 on the ground. So that was bad. But Bob Stoops still has an office in their facility, which makes it even kind of more awkward. But the fact they did this midseason, I know they have a bye next week. That's that's part of it, and they probably still think they can make a run to the college football playoff. But the the fact that they did it midseason to me tells me they've been thinking about this for a while. Yeah, clearly they had they had to have. Uh, too bad Kyler Murray exceptional performance. If they had won, I thought that might have vaulted him to the top of the Heisman conversation. But that's the thing that kind of stinks about the Heisman, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because he lost, it'll probably get forgotten about because it's just the way it works. Uh, NFL football. We got Monday Night Football tonight. The Redskins, uh, playing the Saints. Drew Brees is chasing history. He's been, I mean, his career has been phenomenal and he continues to excel at this, at this age, which is pretty insane. Chasing Peyton Manning for the all-time yards. He's gonna get that. He only needs 201, uh, yards to catch that one. Most touchdown passes. He's trying to catch Brady first. He's got 496. We just saw Brady have 500 the other night. It's like he's – and he's probably – I think he's the one that's underrated in this conversation yeah. because it's always comes down to Super Bowls. Peyton Manning has the name. But he is phenomenal when you look at the way, the mastery he's played the position. I think the, the fact, too, he's done it with two teams. I mean, he was solid in, in San Diego. And now he goes to New Orleans after an injury and is able to bring them to Super Bowl and make them as competitive as they are. I think that's what stands out to me because it's hard to reinvent yourself – at a different place with a different system, different things that around you, and then after an injury as well. I mean, not not a lot of quarterbacks can say they've done that. I like what the Saints have done around him. Just as he's gotten older, got gotten him a, a solid running game and putting pieces around him that can help you know his career sustain a level of play. Like I think that's important for older players in any sport, right? Like you can't expect them to do everything they did when they were twenty five when they're thirty seven. Like you have to yeah. continue to evolve as a roster. Um, and I think they've done a good job of that. In, in, um, Pretty cool story too is on the other side of the ball. Adrian Peterson has had this resurgence at his career. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said, "Oh, he's washed up." He's had ninety plus yards in two out of the three games. Uh, he's had three rush touchdowns. Can he, you know, kind of play keep away from Drew Brees and can they run the football against that Saints defense? Who are the Redskins? Like, who are they? We'll find out. Better like, defensive team. I mean, yeah, yeah, they can compete. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it'll be a fun game. We'll have to see if they can get because in a shootout game, I don't know if Alex Smith is going to go toe to toe with Drew Brees. Uh, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Should be a fun game though. Mm-hmm. Hey Brady, thanks for sticking around with us, man. Appreciate it. Fun. It. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you go to iTunes, download, subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a five-star review. We'd appreciate it. It helps us out. If you already listen to us and subscribe, you can also go watch the show, CBS Sports HQ. We're on every day live. You can make fun of what we wear. We sometimes goof around, do stuff you don't hear on the podcast, so make sure you go watch.